All right, so I, I actually just want to start this uh, today uh, to say thank you so much for, for being here. I know that we have so many uh, old friends from uh, our life, and we have new friends that we met here uh, in this uh, campus. But a couple of just quick things. I just want to say that um, the Pastor Chris Kretzu, who is on stage here introducing me, uh, is a really great friend. Uh, he uh, does not believe in com- we're competing with each other or anything like that. He truly gets that we're our family that's growing the church. The way that Chris and Ez have welcomed us into this family uh, is unbelievable. They have been so supportive and so loving. Chris actually uh, helped create uh, a lot of the things that you see out there, and um, uh, it's going to be South Hill, South County. So um, if you if you just want to meet a cool guy, he's a really, really good guy. And Ez, thank you. Personally, thank you from our family for the way you welcomed us in and, and loved us. Thank you so much, guys. I, and I just want to give it to Chris. <clears throat> I know I'm taking my teaching time, Chris, but I love you, big guy. Um, also, um, I'm not going to start this without saying that the past 14 months, if you know our story, have been very, very crazy, weird, ups and downs, roller coaster ride. And there is no way that we would have gotten through that time, or I would have gotten through that time, without the woman behind there doing the slides. My wife, Melanie, has done so much and has been so amazing. So thank you. I love you. I thank you. And, and uh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, South County, would you like to know where it's going to be in South County? <laughs> Terrific. Come to our vision night this Friday, October 19th. And you'll find out where it will be. The only other person that really kind of knows it is the guy who helped get it for us, Randy Hild over there. So if you bribe Randy with some tacos later, he may start talking. So, uh, but let's, let's get started. So we're going to start today, um, and I just want to go back to basics really quick. So we're talking about four breakthrough conversations that happen in every relationship. But, but before we do that, I want to first go back to basics, and I, and I want to do that by a couple of quick examples. Coach John Wooden for the UCLA men's basketball team won uh, 10 NC2A men's championships. I think he did it like in 10 and 12 years or something crazy. 10 championships. But he started every practice with saying, here's how you put your socks on. And here's how you tie your shoes. The idea being, if you don't get this right, the rest is going to suffer. I mean, he had Lou Sindor and Bill Walton, and all these five-star uh, you know, blue chip athletes. And they were like, why are you teaching me how to put my socks on? But if you don't get this, everything else will suffer. Vince Lombardi, coach of the Green Bay Packers, won the first two Super Bowls. And he started the practice with, this is a football. If you don't get that, you're not going to get anything else. So my question to you this morning, as we talk about these breakthrough conversations, is what is a Christian? What's a Christian? Now, if you're a Christian or if you claim to be a Christian or whatever, then you probably have an answer of, uh, I follow Jesus or I follow Christ or I identify myself with the teachings of the Bible or whatever. There's a lot, I'm sure we'd have a lot of different answers of pretty much the same thing. Well, what's a Christian? Well, uh, I looked at this study recently and there was a study and they asked non-Christians, what's a Christian? And here was their answer. They're selfish and not really interested in others. They're self-centered and judgmental. And they're unwilling to develop true friendships with non-Christians. Gandhi, famous 
uh, Indian peace activist who was uh, the leader of the independence movement against the British said this, if it weren't for Christians, I would be a Christian. If it weren't for Christians, I'd be one. Well, is that who Jesus was? Is that who Jesus is? Was that his teaching? We're going to dive into that, but clearly the answer is absolutely not. And how did it go so sideways? How did it go from Jesus teaching us love and forgiveness and grace to they're judgmental? And how did that happen? Well, it happened because we're imperfect. I am not Christ. I try to be Christ-like, but I'm not Christ. I try my best, but I blow it. And I, one of the things is that Chris and I, we've talked about a lot, but one of the things for me is I have a hard time standing up here and telling you something that I personally wouldn't do or haven't lived. I, I feel that's hypocritical. So I'm going to tell you uh, an example of what not to do. I'm going to give you an example from my life of how not to be a Christian. Okay. Whew. So I love Disneyland. Our family loves Disneyland. We're big Disney fans, right? And we're at Disneyland, and it's about, a, it's about 98 degrees, and it's packed. So my love for Disney is going down a little less by the second. And we're waiting in line for the Frozen show at California Adventure. There's no seats, so we have to sit on the floor. So we're sitting on the floor for like, you know, the 45 minutes before they let us in. And we're tired, and we're hot, and I'm cranky. And then other people are starting to come in that came in like 25 minutes afterwards, and they're kind of scooting up. So then I stand up like, no, I was actually here, kind of boxing them out a little bit. And I'm, I'm like, you know, inching, inching, inching up. So to remind them, you came after me. You're not getting ahead of me. So finally, if you're ever in these lines, you know that when they open the doors, it's like they like shoot a gun and they're gonna go. And so like we all like, they let us out of a cage or something. They just take off and I go in and I see the seats that we want and they're glorious. Angels were singing. I looked at that and I'm like, oh, those are the seats for us. So I go and I'm right about to get it and everybody's crying. I left Melanie and the girls. I'm like, save yourselves. I'm just going in. <laughs> and I finally get there. And right before I'm gonna sit down, a lady cuts me off and puts her family. It's like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And I about lose it. I'm like, no, 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 what's going on here? You know? And so the poor kid, he's like, you know, you know, he's like the usher guy. He's like the 16-year-old kid. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I saw that you were here first. He goes, ma'am, hey, ma'am, I'm sorry. He was here first. He was about to sit down. And she had a little bit of a, of, a, of a Spanish accent, and I could see kind of she was getting more frustrated. And, and she goes, ma'am, I'm sorry. He was here first. And she stood up and she looked at me and angrily said, I see what's going on here. It's because he's white. <laughs> My last name's Valencia. I was in the process of going on Ancestry.com. Like, what are you talking about, lady? Are you kidding me? And everything in me started, and then my blood just boiled over. I am so frustrated. Every ounce of political incorrect frustration that I had was like boiled over. I'm all, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to leave. We were here first. And so she gets up and by that time, everybody had filled in behind her. She goes, well, where am I supposed to go? I'm like, I don't know, but that's our seats. And she's like, okay, fine. And she started saying something and she looked at me and she was saying something in Spanish, but I'm sure it wasn't have a good day and everything. So she walks away. And I like, I like look at her like, yes, justice has been served. Good. I'm going to sit down with my family because we got there first. And I sat down and I immediately started thinking. Now, let me be very honest with you. I've never experienced racism in my life. I've never personally ever experienced racism in my life. 
And I started thinking, well, maybe she has. Maybe there's part of her story that I, 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 I don't know. And honestly, I, I, felt, I felt, I started to feel bad, you know, and so I invited her to come back and have our seats. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But <laughs> here's the thing. Stayed and watched the show. But afterwards, I really did start to think, what if she would have asked me, what do you do for a living? What if she would have asked me, what faith do you identify with? Honestly, guys, I would have been embarrassed to tell her I'm a Christian. I would have been embarrassed to tell her I'm a pastor. Because at that moment, I was not Christ-like. I was not representing Jesus. Jesus would have said, here you go. Last will be first. Go for it. You know? And I didn't do that. And I immediately felt that conviction going on. Like, hmm, I blew a good opportunity. I have no idea the pain that's going on in that woman's uh, life. And at that, that, that moment, I didn't care. I just wanted what I wanted. And that was, that was a bummer. Now, here's the thing. Here's the point of all of this. We, uh, we realize that every issue has two sides, unless we're one of the ones involved. We have a, a defense mechanisms that prevent us from seeing our faults. Now, let's see if you identify with any of these or you know any of these faults. I think we have them up. Shoot the messenger. I don't have a problem. That person is out to get me. Anybody? You don't have to raise your hands. Okay. Rationalization. I have good excuses as to why it's okay to be this way. Minimalization. It's not that big of a deal to me, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal to you. Anybody? You married to this person? You know this person in your family? Blame. That's definitely a problem, just not my problem. Uh, denial. There's no problem. And then... Projection. I weirdly see that problem in everyone else except myself. Now, we all have some of these traits, and we bring them to our families. So when we're talking about breakthrough conversations, we're going to talk about this because this is honestly something that could be a breakthrough conversation in your own family. Now, let me give you an example from the very first family. I'll give you a quick Bible lesson. God creates the world. He creates everything, heavens and the earth. He creates man. That's Adam. He doesn't want man to be by himself. So he takes Adam's rib and he makes Eve. Now, Adam has Eve. Eve is out in the Garden of Eden one day and Satan comes in as a serpent and he deceives Eve and Eve takes a bite of the fruit that God said, stay away from this tree and stay away from this fruit. You can't touch it. Satan deceives Eve, she takes it. And that's the first sin. Then she brings Adam over. She goes, I feel really guilty. I just did this. You do it too. So Adam does it. And that's where we see the first people to blow it. Now, I want to go on with a little side note here. I love how God addresses Adam at this point. If you read scripture in Genesis, God says, after they sin, he says this, Adam, where are you? Adam's already blowing it. Now, Jesus doesn't go to Adam and say, Adam, you've messed up. I told you not to do that. Now you're in the abyss forever. And I banish you forever. You are out of here. He doesn't do that. He says, Adam, where are you? What he's saying here is, I want to have a conversation with you. Let's talk. I know you've blown it. Let's talk. And when you blow it, know that God's not waiting to condemn you. He's saying, let's talk. What's going on? Where are we at? So Adam does what dudes do. Genesis 3.12, Adam said this. She made me eat the fruit, and you're the one who gave her to me. She made me do it. And you made her, and you gave her to me, so technically this is on you guys. 
I'll be over here at this tree. You guys sort of messed that up. He deflected. That's why it's not a mystery why we do it. Because we came from them anyways. Big lineage. We've been doing this since the very first two people. I didn't do it. They did it. And we, all, we start to take sides. And we start to say, I'm right and you're wrong. How do I know this? In America today, 45% of marriages end in divorce. 45%. That's nearly half in America. In Orange County, 72% of marriages end in divorce. 72%. This is, not, this is not about making somebody that's been through a divorce or going through a divorce or have been through a divorce. This is not to, to, to make them feel bad or condemn them at all. Actually, I went through it myself with my own parents, and it's very hurtful. If you're currently going through something like that, you need a hug, not somebody telling you how bad you're blowing it. It's very painful. But why does that happen? Why is it so high? It's because we don't own our own stuff. We don't. And then sometimes when we're Christian, we think that's our get-out-of-jail-free card. Everybody else's mess. Friends, I got some bad news for the Christians in here is that it's just not non-Christians that are separating and getting divorced. This is Christians too. We've got to own our own stuff. I don't always do it. You don't always do it, but that's what Jesus asked us to do. Adam said, it's not me, it's her, but Jesus invites us to do it the other way around. Jesus is talking, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, and we've got some the verses here on screen. My lovely assistant has those for you. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, 7, 1 through 6 says this. Do not, this is Jesus saying this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time you there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear to pieces. That's cool. Jesus is so cool. He's saying, look, first, before you start judging everybody, look at your own self. Look at you. How are you doing? What gives you the right to tell everybody else how wrong they are or how bad they are? You're not even looking at your own stuff. Now, I would encourage you to do this. If you're reading the Bible, look at it through the author's perspective. Now, we just read from Matthew. Now, let me give you just a quick little lesson on who Matthew was. Matthew was Jesus' one, one of his disciples, but when Matthew started, he was a tax collector. Now, it's believed that Matthew was from Galilee, but he was certainly Jewish. At the time, if you were Jewish and you were a tax collector, you were scum, because what you were doing, because at the time, if you're Jewish, then your religion is, is, is Judaism. That's your, that's your religion. Now, think about this for a second. You're a tax collector. You're, getting, you're collecting taxes from your own people and your own religion, and you're giving them to the Romans. You were working for the man. You think the IRS is hated? These people were hated. Their own people were taking from their own people and giving it to the Romans. These are hated people. So Matthew sees Jesus and he says, hey, I really like what you're doing. Would you come to dinner with me? And Jesus says, sure, I'll go to dinner with you. 
And the Pharisees flip out and they go, are you kidding? He's stealing money from us and he's giving it to the Romans. How can you possibly accept an invitation from this guy? This is crazy. And I love how Jesus talks to them. It records this both in Mark and Luke. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then he dropped a microphone. No, he didn't. But that would be cool. (laughs) Basically dropped the mic. He says, I didn't come for perfect people. I came for the sinners so they could repent. That doesn't sound judgmental to me. That doesn't sound elitist to me. That doesn't sound like I don't want to be friends with non-Christians to me. He is saying that, that, no, I came for him. And he loves me and he wants to invite me to dinner. I'm going to take that invitation. Now think about this. As Jesus is saying, take the plank out of your own eye, da, 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 da. Matthew's taking notes that would later be in our Bibles. Imagine his perspective when he sees, yes, he did that for me. I believe this guy because he did it for me. I believe what he's saying when he says, take the plank out of your own eye. Now, we're going to look in the, uh, what these verses actually mean. Verse 2 in that passage, is basically what it's saying is, we judge others differently than we judge ourselves. Mercy for me, but justice for you. In verse 3, basically, there's, there's something you don't see that's affecting the way you see everything else. And in verse 6, even when you're right, don't force the truth on someone who refuses to accept it. What all this is pointing to, friends, is we believe we can fix our problems by changing others' actions. We want to start with everyone but ourselves. And Jesus invites us to the other way around. Because as long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. Now, I really debated whether even I should even share this. But in sharing this message, in preparing for this message, and praying about this message, I had to face some painful truths in my own life. And when Chris told me what I was speaking about, I'm like, do you have anything else you want me to talk about? Or, no, okay, all right. Um, because I have a sibling in my own family that I have not spoke to in about three or four years, and the only way we do speak is through an attorney. Okay? I, I've, re- I've wrestled with this, and sometimes maybe you could understand where this is coming from, but when a, a relationship is fractured and a tragedy happens, everything goes away. It's terrible. And our relationship was never strong enough to withstand tragedy. So when my parents passed away, that relationship with this sibling deteriorated because that was the only thing that was holding us together because we didn't really have a real relationship. And you know that nobody could hurt you like family because you don't care about other people as much as you do your own family. And the things that were said to me were some of the most painful things ever. Maybe you have that in your family. Now, if I were to tell you the entire story, you would definitely take my side. You would say, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did. I believe you, James. But I've got to think about this and really pray about this. What is it that I need to own? Is there something I'm not owning? I don't have the answer. But I'm gonna be praying about that. I'm gonna be praying for that answer. And how can I show my sibling who Jesus really is. What does he look like? Because I did get that. And you call yourself a Christian? I'm sure you've all all that before. But I gotta know, okay, I do call myself a Christian. What am I not owning? That's the tough part. I would invite you to pray for me on that. I don't know what to do. My brother's here and he and I are both praying about how to deal with this sibling and I don't know. But 
but we're going to let God, um, we're going to trust God in that. There's also something where you're not, you know, being in damaging relationships also could be damaging to you. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But I've got to really decide what, what is it that I need to own in that. If I'm going to preach it, I've got to live it. Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Don't think that you're better than you are. Be honest in your evaluation with yourselves. The question is, are you being honest with your part about, your, about yourself? Are you being honest about your evaluation? Oh my goodness. I just thought of this. Um, can you imagine if, if we were like this though? If we were honest with ourselves? I mean, can you imagine if we were honest with our own self-evaluation? What if our elected officials did this? This would be really fun. What if our elected, what if Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are in a debate and in the middle of it, Donald Trump goes, Hillary, that's a really good point. I did not see that in myself. <laughs> or Hillary going, you know what, Donald, thank you for bringing that up. That's a pretty hypocritical thing of me to say. I'm going to really pray. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Can you imagine that? That's why we, that's why we can't stand politics. Why? Because it forces you to say, I'm totally right and you're totally wrong. It brings out the worst in, our, in who we are. It brings out the worst in our nature of saying, I'm all right and you're all wrong. This is good, that's bad. You don't believe me? Watch the news. I can't. It's frustrating. Because whatever one side says, the other side says the opposite, and there's no middle ground. There's no common sense. There's no civility of, what, of any kind. I'm right, you're wrong, and I refuse to own my part. And even when they do blow it, they lie about it and try to make it sound like it was all part of the plan in the beginning with. And that's politics, and that's gross because they're not owning their part in it. But man, that would be really cool if they did. I would watch that debate and be really entertained. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever, con whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. In other words, the first step in making things right is owning where, you are, where you're wrong. Even if you feel like your part is super small, you've got to own your piece of the pie. Can you imagine if you stop somebody in the middle of a conversation and go, you know, I'm expecting an apology from you. You're not giving it to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm expecting something from you that I'm not getting, so I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. When I cut you off, when you were trying to give me your point, I was wrong. Look at Melanie. He's like, amen, preach it, James. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, can you imagine that, though? We don't because we don't listen to what somebody's saying. We just can't wait to put them down. We can't wait for them to be done with their point so we can tell them how wrong their point is. But we're not thinking, I got to own this. I got to own my part. What's my part? Where did I go sideways on this? And let me pause you for a second. I apologize. I'm sorry. That's not my way. That is what Jesus is saying to do. That's what Jesus is saying. You want healthy relationships? Own it. Own your part. So this brings me to this. What is an apology? Okay. What do you mean when we say apologize? To apologize is to sincerely empathize 
with and take ownership of how your attitudes and actions impact and affect others. That's an apology. Here's what an apology is not. Fine, sorry. <laughs> fine, sorry, I did, but fine, sorry, I did the dishes. Fine, sorry, but I washed your car. Fine, sorry, but I've been watching the kids. Fine, sorry, but I'm taking you out. Fine, sorry, but I paid the bills. Fine and sorry don't belong together because they don't, you don't mean it. If there are subtitles under you, when you say fine, sorry, what you're really saying is shut up. Stop talking. I'm tired of hearing you talk. <laughs> fine, sorry. I, and then we do this. I apologized. No, we didn't. We said, fine, sorry, that's not an apology. I apologize, I don't understand why you're so frustrated. I said, sorry, no, you didn't. You told me to shut up, but you used the word sorry. <laughs> that's what you did. Fine, sorry is not an apology. You gotta sincerely mean that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, guys, I'm just gonna end with, uh, with this. I can't emphasize enough how to own your own parts. Own your own part in, what, in what's going on in your lives. You all have that. I know it. Nobody's relationship is perfect. So honestly evaluate yourself. Own your own part. It could save your relationships. Don't wait until it's too late. The best example I can think of this is when I got married... My parents got divorced when I was uh, 13, and my, my dad left. He was a good guy, but just believed the wrong people and just very naive, but a nice guy, just naive, he just, and he took off. He left, and I heard him say, I would be married to your mother, but she didn't do this, 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 and this. I would be married to her, but she did not do this, this, and this, and I heard my mom praying for my dad. I saw my mom on her knees praying for him, and not that he would come back, but that he would be protected and that he would be okay. I saw someone take things like how we would just do things and not really give it to God, and somebody give it to God and see what that did. My mom genuinely gave it to God. She wasn't perfect, but she genuinely gave it to God, and she was praying for him all the time. Well, he, you know, my mom turned out to do well for herself financially. She went on to do really, really well, and my dad blew all the money from the divorce. And so he started to come back to be her friend. He had nothing. And eventually they became friends. And nearly 20 years later, I got married. Now, my dad and I, we never had like a, like a, a relationship where we went fishing together, or he put his arm around me, and we would, you know, do dad-son things. We never really did that. He's more of like a fun uncle. Every time he was around, we did fun things, then he was gone. But he pulled me aside and he said, James, I want to give you some advice. And I said, sure. And he said, never go to bed angry. So always make up before you go to bed, whether, whatever you need to do. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like great advice. And so I went to my mom and I said, you know, mom, dad gave me some really good advice. And he told me not to go to bed angry. And I know he got that from the Bible, but I really think he's, he's changed. He doesn't really have a place. He's going from place to place. You have this big house. Why can't you just let him come back? Can he live here? She says, I can't do that. And I said, why? Don't you forgive him? She goes, oh, I've forgiven him. Well, then why, why can't you do that? She goes, son, I'm sorry, but he hasn't changed. And I thought that was very judgmental of her to say. And I got angry. And I said, how could you say that? That's so judgmental. She goes, no, 
No, son, it's the truth. And I said, well, how could you say that he hasn't changed? Because his circumstances have changed. That's why he's back. And I'll take it. If he wants to be nice to me, I'll be nice to him. But he hasn't changed. And I was so frustrated. I said, how can you possibly come to that conclusion? And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. And she said, because he's never said, I'm sorry. He's never said, I'm sorry. That's all she wanted. That's all she wanted was to say sorry, but not sorry, let's just hurry up and move on in life. Sorry that I really am sorry. I blew it. It's all he had to do. And until he died, he never said it. She never really heard him say that. She heard a lot of excuses, but she never heard him say, I'm sorry. Friends, don't make that mistake. If you're in a relationship right now, don't beat yourself up because the past relationships didn't work. Don't do that. That's not what this is about. Say, what am I going to do going forward? If you get into a relationship, remember that. Remember to own your own part. Remember that. Own it. And, and, and don't ever look back to win an argument. I've won lots of arguments. I would have traded that for those relationships any day of the week. That's the best thing we could do. You want to really be a Christ follower? You want to really be what Jesus says to do? Own your own part. I'm speaking for me too. Own my own part. We're starting this church in, in South Orange County. And when we start this, it is going to be a family. If you're here at Costa Mesa, this is a family. But the best way to, to know that you're not going to own, that you're not going to go off on and do it on your own is to be connected to a family. So if you're part of this church, get connected. Get into a life group. Get into a small group. If you live around here, I would suggest coming here because it's awesome. Chris is great. But if you live down in South County, we're going to start something new. We're going to be a family. We are going to be connected. And nobody's going to do life on their own. We're going to do this together. Because it's going to be about what Jesus wants. Not about making me or anything else famous. It's about making Jesus famous. And we're going to do it together. By being real and be authentic and being honest. And we're going to own our own stuff. And we're going to develop real relationships. Not just, hey, how you doing? Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be real. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for how you love us, for what you do for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you that no matter how many times we blow it, you're not there waiting to bash us on the head. I love that we can learn from other people's pain, God. I love that, that even if we go through something bad, if, if we have gone through a, a divorce, or if we have gone through broken relationships, or if we have blown it, God, that, that that's not our death, that you've forgiven us and you can give us a new life. And we can correct mistakes that we've made. And we can go forward and prosper because you have plans for us to prosper. But Father, it starts with us. And so before we try to tell everybody how to live or what to do, help us to focus on our own house first and our own self first and say, what is my part in this? Father, help us to truly live Christ-like and not just use it as a title to tell people what to do. 
We love you so much, Jesus. And we thank you for this awesome church. And our family thanks you so much for what you're going to do in, in South Orange County with your church. In your name, amen.